there would be times where you would go down and put your paddle in the water and the way the waves were in the boat was you wouldn't even grab any water because of how the waves were. And then all of a sudden, the next time you go and paddle and the wave is coming up over the boat onto your lap. Welcome to Part-Time Athletes, a podcast that interviews everyday people about their fitness journeys. That was Michelle Springer, and this is your host, Brie Outside. In today's episode, Michelle's going to talk to us about, drum roll please, dragon boat racing, and cold water swimming. Can you imagine? (laughs) Um, It was really interesting to hear her talk about cold water swimming, but I don't know if I will ever try it, Um, but I'm intrigued. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It was a really fun conversation. Um, But without further ado, let's get started, athletes. So let's talk about the dragon boat racing or the dragon boat paddling team first. So I don't really know that much about that sport. So can you tell me a little bit about it? Absolutely. Um, It is actually a worldwide sport. And it's interesting, as big as I feel like it is, um, we still come across people who are like, I've never heard of this before. What is it? So dragon boating started in China over 2000 years ago. Um, It began more as a modern sport um, today in the 70s. And basically what it is, is a 45-ish foot boat, you could call it maybe canoe, that seats 20 paddlers, one steersman, and a drummer. And there's 10 rows, so there's um, two paddlers side by side in each of those 10 rows, making up your 20 paddlers, your steersman, and then your drummer. Um, In the race, the drummer oftentimes will keep the the beat or the pace and um it's a competitive sport worldwide um it we have teams from our club that have competed in hong kong um in japan they've gone to spain for training and here in the states um florida is a huge spot for spring training camp which I've been to several times, which is a week-long intense training for dragon boating. And um, there's coaches that come from all over the U.S. There's many coaches um, and leads that come from Canada that are part of it. And it's a community event and a competitive sport. So in Wisconsin here, um, last year with COVID, we did not have any races or events as with most sports last year. And um, this year is looking to still be slow moving on that as well. But there's many events around Wisconsin of dragon boat racing. And um, those events have anywhere from community team where it might be like Big Brothers, Big Sisters Club or a um, mother company organization coming together like Rockwell out of Milwaukee paddling a community team and then club teams that do this regularly, practice a couple times a week, like my team does, and come together at these community events and race on the water. And so how did you find dragon boat racing? What brought you to the sport? So it was in the two early 2000s. Um, Racine, Wisconsin, which is where I live, um, had the Midwest 
Great Midwest Dragon Boat Festival. And they had that event for about three years, I want to say, before it was canceled. We, the reason it was canceled here in Racine is we did not have the best venue for it. The water conditions were very choppy and difficult. Boats would flip, which usually does not happen in, at events. Whoa. But we didn't have the greatest... Yeah, there I have some stories about that. Um, but we it was here for three years, that event, and we had many community teams. And I worked at Gateway Technical College at the time, and I saw as an um, adjunct instructor, and I saw an advertisement, hey, come, come join our Dragon Boat team. We're looking for people. And I'm like, what's this? You know, I'm always looking for the next adventure. And so I reached out to the contact person on that flyer, and I paddled with that Gateway team. Um, for two years in that event. And I, I just loved it. It was like a rush. It was exhilarating. Um, the races in dragon boating are anywhere from 200 meter to, to 300 meter is usually about average, which is an intense racing of anywhere from a minute to two minutes, depending on that, whether it's 200 to 300 meters and also the team, um, how, how proficient they are. So I paddled with them for the gateway team for two years in that event. And after my second year, I, somebody was handing out flyers about this Racine Dragon Boat Club. And I, they said, do you want to paddle more? Come check us out, the Racine Dragon Boat Club. And I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to check this out more. And this must have been, my daughter was, let's see, I want to say 2006. And um, I, followed up on that flyer and hooked up with the group and became part of the club. And the club was very um, grassroots at that time. And I've been with the club ever since then. And in 2014, I ended up taking over one of our teams and coaching um, one of our teams, which I still do today. I coach my team, Motley Crew, which is a, well, we have 30 some people on our team and it's a mixture of men and women and people of all ages and abilities and backgrounds. Wow, did you say 30-something people? Yeah, so 20 actually, yeah, 20 people actually paddle on the boat. That is a full boat. And then you have your steersman on the back and the drummer on the front. But our team total, we have about 30-some people because not everybody can make every practice or every um, race event so we have about 30 and out of that 30, we have a fifth, I would call about 15 core that are constant and true. They're going to show up every practice, every event. So wow. every event we ask, may not always. <laughs> I was going to ask if it was hard to recruit 20 consistent people, but it sounds like no. <laughs> um, Actually, no, we have the 15 that I kind of call that core group. They are people who they love the sport. And the biggest thing too about my team is the camaraderie. And one of the quotes I always say is second or third all day for something greater. Um, We are a competitive bunch and we oftentimes will come in second place, third place. There's a lot of teams that, you know, they're very good. They cross train off season and my team, you know, I have some athletes who do some that don't, but we hang in there with the best of them. And we oftentimes 
come back with a trophy, a plaque, medals, with that second or third place. And I always say second or third place for something, something greater. And we have this great group that we paddle hard. We come together as one on the water. And then after practice, um, it's that social event. And last year with COVID, our boats did not go in the water. And we didn't need as a team, as, you know, most people did, you know, with social distancing, you're staying just with your family and your group. And everybody really missed that peace in each other. When things kind of started lighten, lighting up later last year, um, we got together at, at an event later on in the year and everyone's like, I miss you so much. And it's like, that's the biggest piece of that team that is really, I think, near and dear to everybody. And so is the season, is it like a spring summer sport? Cause I imagine it's, or maybe I don't, I haven't been to that side of the country. So I'm like, can you, can you boat in Wisconsin in the winter or does it freeze up? Yeah. Well, actually our Harbor where our boats are in Racine Harbor, it does freeze up. And so our boats actually go in the water generally in May and then they stay in the water, um, to about September, late September, and then we take them out. So our season is May through September. We practice two nights a week, and we practice for anywhere from hour, hour and a half that we're on the water practicing. And then, so I kind of want to move on because of talking about cold water. <laughs> so you told me that you recently got into cold water swimming, and I'm just, that's mind-blowing because how cold is the water? <laughs> well, I've been in water less than 40 degrees, something like I think 38 or 37 was according to um, this website and the surf temp in water temperatures in Wisconsin. I'm just under 40. I recently bought a thermometer to start tracking. What is the temperature of the waters I'm going into these days? Um so how I did you get water. interested I, in that though? Because I'm I mean you can love water, but cold water? <laughs> yeah, so I love the water and I um last fall I joined this at my local YMCA, this tri-fit swim group class, and two days a week we swim and I, I just love the water. I love swimming. I've become more of a proficient swimmer. And I had heard about this cold water experience and I actually watched, if you've ever heard of Wim Hof, um, he does this cold water therapy and cold water swimming. And I, I remember watching a video on him several years ago and I'm like, this guy is crazy. This is nuts. Why would anybody want to do this? That's well, me right now. <laughs> year, yeah. Last year with COVID, this is Cold water swimming has been a thing in Norway, Sweden, over in Europe, in England, in Wales. I, they, they've they been doing this. This is nothing new for them. In the States with COVID, a lot of um, athletes started taking, with the gyms closing, kept their season going longer by swimming outside. And so cold water swimming became, or cold water dipping too, became an even bigger thing in the U.S. So on Facebook, there were several groups about it, and I started following along. And I was so intrigued. And some people, depending on the season, you know, will just dip for a couple minutes if it's January and blustery cold out. And, you know, as the temperatures lighten up, maybe stay in a little bit longer. 
Well, me being interesting, I'm right between Milwaukee and Chicago. And I'm like, there's got to be a group around me that's doing this. And I couldn't find, you know, anything that was local to me. There was a group on the north side of Milwaukee and then a group in Chicago. And I'm like, why am I going to drive, you know, an hour to dip in cold water for maybe just a few minutes? You know, there's got to be something local. Well, there wasn't. So let's just, mar- early March, my husband and I were up north. We have um, like property up north. And it was, I want to say March 7th or so. And we were driving around the countryside and I'm like, Jerry, there's some great water over there. I bet you I could dip in there. Jerry, there's some great water over there, you know, a couple of miles later down the road. I could probably dip in there. And all day I'm seeing these water spots. And he looked at me and he said, you know, what, Michelle, he's like, tomorrow morning, you're going to go in the creek. I'm going to go down there with you because this is the thing with cold water. So you, you want to either go with someone or have somebody on on the bank for safety, you know, should anything go wrong. And uh, he's like, you're going to go in the creek tomorrow. I said, really? He goes, yeah, we'll get up on the way out of town. You'll go in. So March 6th, there's snow on the bank. And we go down to the creek that next morning and I'm all nervous. It's just water, right? I'm just going in cold water, but I'm still nervous about it. I went in that water very carefully and slowly. And I carefully walked in. And it's cold out that day, too. I don't know what the temperature was, maybe 40s, maybe 30s. And I dipped down and it was like one of those, and like, just takes your breath away and you go in very slowly. You don't just plunge in. At least that's the recommendation is to go in slowly. So I go in slowly and I dip and I'm like, oh my gosh, did I just do that? And I come up and I'm like, and then I'm like, okay, I got to do that again. So then I dip again and then I come up and I had a series of like times where I'm like, I was about to come out and I'm like, wait, Jerry, just one more time. I'm going to go on this part over here. It's a little bit deeper. Try to swim a little bit. And I ended up staying in for maybe like five minutes. So since then, I have gone in every single weekend at a variety of spots. I've been in that creek again a second time. I've gone in our lake um, up on our um, lake property. And I've gone in Lake Michigan. And I've recruited a couple people um, to come and cold water dip with me. And I have people who are intrigued and I have other people who are like, Michelle, you are nuts. But I'm up to like 15 minutes of time in the water and I just really enjoy it. So what research suggests is that it's not only great for your physical health, but it's also great for your mental health. And um, I tell you, even if it's a day that I don't, work out, which I like to be active and do something every day of the week if I can. So if it's a weekend, it's a day, um, I don't have anything planned, not a bike ride or a swim or anything like that. At least if I cold water dip in the morning, something about that just makes me feel charged for the day. Makes me kind of feel alive. And do you have to get like a special swimsuit for that or you just go out in your normal one? I just go out in my normal swimsuit. Um, however, the recommendation and what I did buy, and it's a lifesaver, is um, neoprene booties for your feet. I have these scuba, scuba little, they're like aqua socks. But they come up a little bit higher on your ankle. And then neoprene gloves for your hands because those those extremities get the coldest. 
And your feet are the first thing to hit the water, and they're the longest in the water. Um, so they tend to get cold. But these neoprene um, booties that I have, they're a lifesaver. Like they, your feet get wet, but they're insulated, so they don't freeze. And the same thing with, with the neoprene um, gloves, same thing. They, they, your hands will get wet, but it's just that insulating layer, kind of like a wetsuit for your for your hands and your feet. But yeah, no, for the rest of my body, it's just for regular swimsuit. And are there events for cold water swimming? Maybe not in this country, but in other countries. Have you heard of any? Yes, there actually is. If you go on um, YouTube, you can probably find videos of it. And they actually have, well, they'll be out on a lake. They'll drill big, um, lanes, like swimming lanes with lane markers and, and everything where ladders going down into the water. And in the background, you could even see maybe people snowmobiling across the lake and swimmers will come out in their big dry robes and they'll be on the edge and you'll, they'll be the call person from the event, you know, marshalling them. And next thing you know, they're getting in the water, the whistle goes off and boom, they're swimming across, you know, links competing against one another. So yes, there's definitely events going. I don't know if there's events in the US, there may be. I'm not at that point in this yet. At this point I'm kind of doing my own <laughs> thing and corralling corralling my own group to um come in and cold water dip. I was gonna say, are we gonna see you at one of those events? Are you gonna take a racecation? <laughs> <laughs> it, you know what it definitely could be in the future I mean I'm known I'm I'm a person who's like oh let's explore this what's this and if I like it enough I'm I'm gonna make it happen I don't know at this point if that is on my agenda to actually be in any events I I just enjoy I do events with the dragon boat team and so that that's my event piece there with the group for the cold water swimming it's kind of just my own thing and, and the group that I'm with um, the two others that I've recruited to go in the water and just have that experience. I do want to, though, on my agenda is to start open water swimming. As much as I love the water, lakes and rivers and things like that just kind of scare me a little bit. And I have this huge respect for water. I had a little um, kayaking in the rapids episode on the Wolf River several years back that um, kind of had me a little shook up when I dumped one time going over a rapids. And so I, I felt like I got swallowed up by the river in that experience. And so I have this huge respect for water and you know, what it can do. So Lake Michigan is also known to have currents and undertows. And so I want to be very careful and mindful of that. But I, I asked my swim coach, I said, I really want to start open water swimming when the water temperature comes up just a little bit. And I, I just want some tips, you know, what I need to do, what, what should I look for? Where's the best spot to swim? Because those are things I don't know yet. Because at this point, I go into the shore and I don't go out really far enough over you know my chest I'll go up to like maybe it's four feet deep four and a half feet deep and then maybe just dunk in there but I don't go out where it's over my head and I can't touch bottom so with that love for swimming and then I know you cycled too have you ever are you planning to do any aqua biking 
Actually, I have not heard of aqua biking before, okay. but now you have me intrigued. Yeah, I hadn't heard about it either until I talked to um, his name's Eric Logan. He's a do athlete, which I hadn't heard about that until I talked to him. And that is you. I think it's it's either run, bike, run or bike, run, bike. I can't remember which, <laughs> but he told me about aqua bike and it just it's like a triathlon, too, but it, it leaves out the running portion. So it's just the cycling and the swimming part. Well, that sounds very intriguing to me because I love <laughs> both. And I I used to be a runner coming up um, when I was younger, um, middle school through early high school, I was a runner. And even once I stopped running competitively as a young adult, I kept running. But I have I had two surgeries on my feet to correct um, my feet. And ever since then, my, my physical therapist years ago, he's like, you know, Michelle, what you really should be, he said, you should be a swimmer. <laughs> and I didn't want to hear that because I wanted to keep running. But it's, we all know that as you age, um, you know, we you get more arthritic. Um, running is definitely hard on your joints. And that is one thing that I've kind of, why well, I haven't kind of, I have given that up over the years is the running. But it's just harder. And with my, my feet, it just hasn't, it doesn't work as well for me. So I've really transitioned to the biking and the swimming because it's low impact and you can still get a great workout. Well, now you have a new sport to explore. (laughs) Yes, I do. Aqua biking. I'll have to look into that. So from the cold water swimming and the dragon boat racing. Can you tell me about one of your favorite events or most memorable um, training sessions? Yeah, definitely. Um, One of my most memorable events was in 2016. Um, As I mentioned earlier, um, my, our teams would go down to Florida for a spring training camp. And it's a week-long training camp in Florida. A lot of times people hear, oh, you're going to Florida for a week, oh, vacation fun. No, it's, it's paddling two times a day on, uh, in the Indian Harbor, Banana River, and it's, it's intense. It's getting you in shape for the season. So 2016, we go down and we have this week-long event of training on um, – on on the river down in Indian Harbor and Thursday paddle. Now this is after this is our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, fourth day of paddling. And it's the causeway paddle. It's a 15 K paddle, which is approximately 9.3 miles. So just under 10 miles of paddling. And one way to get from our starting point to the causeway is about 45 minutes of paddling so our coach that we had, again, we have a boat of 20, 20 people on the boat and mixed teams. I don't, my entire team isn't there. It's probably me and four other people from my team. And then the rest of everybody on the boat is from teams throughout the country. So our coach was um, Albert McDonald and he's a great, he's a phenomenal dragon boat coach and he's out of Nova Scotia and we're with him all week and he preps us to go to the causeway and we're steady paddling to get there. Well, the conditions, we get there, we, we lodge our boat on the beach, we get out, we stretch and the conditions where we were at, the water was precarious and there was crazy waves. And 
it, we're just like, okay, we have to paddle this back. And everyone's kind of looking now, coach Albert has paddled many different events and he pulls us all together before we get in the boat to come back off that cause causeway run. And he says, okay, I want to talk to you guys. He says, any extra gear you have. And this is another thing. Other camp helpers were there. Like they drive to the causeway to meet us. It's like a little meeting spot and they had their cars. So then they would drive back to meet us at, you know, the starting point. And basically he said, any extra things you guys have in the boat, we're going to give to Jan and she's going to drive them back. We're not going to take them back. He goes, get your water bottles, this, that. He said, I want everyone to have their, we have waste pack PFDs where you pull the string and they inflate. He's like, I want everyone to wear those in the front. And he said, I want them secure to you and ready to go in case we need to engage them. And basically this talk that he's having with us is we may dump. He also made the call to not have our row five paddle. Their role was to constantly um, bail the boat because there was so many waves and water coming in. So we had this whole mental game of like, oh, my gosh, what is what is going to happen right now? So we get on the boat. Seat five is just their steady job is just to bail the boat throughout. And Albert takes us away. And he's like, okay, it was an intense 25 minutes of constant paddling through these crazy waves. There would be times where you would go down and put your paddle in the water. And the way the waves were in the boat was you wouldn't even grab any water because of how the waves were. And then all of a sudden, the next time you go and paddle and the wave is coming up over the boat onto your lap. It was insane. It was the most intense, scariest paddle I've ever done. But we came together as a group of 20 and just kept going. You had no, there was no taking a break. There was no saying, oh, I'm getting a little tired. I have to let up. It was kind of like survival mode. Like you're going to paddle until you get there. And then in addition, seat five, who's bailing, they had this rhythm of this bail where you could hear it scooping the bottom of the boat. And it was like this, because they're constantly just pulling, trying to get as much water out of the boat as we're doing this. And I would just see, I was in seat three, which is two, uh, um, obviously two behind seat one. And I would see the waves coming of, over the front of the boat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, seat one, which is also your stroker position. They set the pace. Um, I was like, I can't even imagine what they're going through up there. And Albert at one point going over, he goes, you guys are doing great. Keep it up. Hang in there. And his voice was real calm. You know, he didn't want to get us any more riled up than probably what we already were. And my fellow friend and paddler, Marilyn, was sitting in the seat in front of me. And she said, motivation. Like there, there's no, we have no option or no choice to not paddle. Uh, motivation to get there. That's what we need to do. And it was an intense 25 minutes of just paddling through that. And then it kind of calmed. And then we got to a point where he said, okay, we're just going to paddle over there. We're um, out of the way of any traffic now that we're out of all that. And he said, and then we're just going to take a little break. So we got over there and he goes, okay, let it ride. And everyone it is calm water now. Stop paddling. And it was just this, oh, like, 
what just happened? And it's interesting because on Facebook, somebody just shared that memory of the causeway paddle and unanimously, many of us are like, yep, like one of the top paddling experiences that we remember. And that'll go down in my books. Like I'll live and die the dragon boat experience. And that'll be one of the top three for me at least. Wow, that sounds intense. <laughs> um, it was. <laughs> so now that we've made the full circle transitioning from the dragon boat racing to cold water swimming back to the dragon boat racing, um, do you want to talk a little bit about the transition from athlete to coach? Because I know for a lot of people, that's a big milestone. It's kind of a big deal. Absolutely. Um, so like I said, I started dragon boating early 2000, like 2006 with the community team. And I actually started with the Racine Dragon Boat Club. I'm going to say it was maybe 07, um, somewhere in there. So anyways, I was part of my team, um, Motley Crew, as um, just, and I don't want to say just a paddler, but a paddler. Um, there was a team manager, team captain, coach, steersman, and I showed up those two days a week to paddle with the group. And I did that for about six or seven years. And we had several teams in, that make up the club. We had a pink paddling power, which was, it's, it's all women. It's our breast cancer survivor team. And then we had Motley Crew, which is a mixed team. And then we had um, our team Arashi, which is also a mixed team. More competitive. I don't want to say more competitive because everybody in the race, once that starting horn goes off, everyone's a competitor. But team Arashi was a lot more intense. They had um, more practice days. They practiced throughout. They did CrossFit throughout the winter where team Motley Crew did it. So a lot of Motley Crew team um, had transitioned over the years to team Arashi. And we kind of had this, everyone who was, Motley was the only team and Arashi came about later when certain people identified, Hey, we want to be more competitive. Cause we had some people who were like, no, I just want to paddle one day a week or due to my job, that's all I'm able to do or due to my family, or I don't you know, want to be as competitive. So we had this two teams going on and in Fall of 2013, Motley Crew was down to eight people, myself being one of them. And in 2014, the the beginning of the season, several people who were coaching an integral, um, whether team captain, whatever, had gone to Arashi and left Motley Crew with eight people. And I had that was my first year going to camp spring training camp, which is in 2014 down in Tampa, Florida. And I had probably been one of the longest members on the team. And we came back from Florida and it was kind of like, uh, who's going to coach the team? And I'm kind of like looking all around. I'm like, um, and they, those who had gone before me had said, Hey, Michelle, here's this. Hey, Michelle, here's this. Cause they knew I was a longtime member and it just kind of fell on my lap. And I'm like, uh, okay, I guess it's going to be me. I had never, you know, learned how to be a coach or anything. But my saving to that is that I was a teacher for many years and I had that background. And I thought to myself, Michelle, 
if you've led a classroom of students and different abilities, it's just the same thing. It's just in a sport that you love. So you can do it. So I went in with that mentality. I had a little like syllabus or game plan for that first practice. And I showed up and I got my team together in 2014 of (laughs) barely 10 people. And fast forward to 2021, that team is now a group of 30 people. I'm now not just the coach. We have an assistant coach, David Cassidy, who helps out. And we have a team captain, Tim, and we have two people who we call Motley Mentors who help bring on new people. So we have grown as a team to a more organized, um, more people, and it's just been a great experience. I think the other thing, too, with my piece as a coach, um, I love the sport, and I have a lot of people who will say, well, I can't do this or I'm not able to do it. And I don't want to hear people say I can't. I'm like, but you're going to try. We're going to have you try. And I like to push people, all, all athletes, no matter your background or your ability, to find that potential in them. Somehow, I don't know. It, my team loves me not to be like this and pat myself on the background, but they love me. And I'm like, what is it that I do? I just show up and I'm me. And my husband's like, Michelle, that's what it is. He said, you have that, that piece that you love and you have this energy and they feed off of that too. And I find potential in that for, for everybody on the team and, and that everybody has a role. And I can take a team of people who Our oldest paddler was a retired nurse at 73, and our youngest was 19. And we had all different abilities, people who were triathletes, people who, you know what, their only exercise was coming out and dragon boating. And I'll take that whole team and get everybody working as one on the water. And everyone's going to put in their part. And everyone has an importance and a spot and a role. And they feel that energy with each other. All right, athletes, that's all the time we have for today's episode. I want to say thanks again to Michelle Springer for making time to do the interview. I super appreciate it. Um, It was really fun talking to you. If you are in Michelle's area and you want to try Dragon Boat Racing or you just want some more information about Dragon Boat Racing, um, check out RacingDragonBoatClub.com. And that's R-A-C-I-N-E DragonBoatClub.com. Okay. And thanks to you, the listener, for listening to this out of everything else you could be listening to. I super appreciate you. Um, so I have a lot of projects going on right now. Um, I don't know when the ep- next episode of Part-Time Athletes is going to get released. I think I'm going to take a short couple of weeks break um, and then we'll hopefully get back rolling. So until then, please enjoy all of the previous episodes with all the other amazing part-time athletes that have volunteered their time to be on the show. And also uh, to find out what I'm up to, what some of these projects are, you can find out more at breeoutside.com. www.breeoutside.com. Okay, (laughs) I know, I can't sing. 
Um, but thank you for supporting the show, and I hope you tune in next time, probably for season three. So look for season three, I would say around July. Um, I'm going to try. And if you want to be on the show, if you want to be on season three, please shoot me an email at parttimeathletespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, message me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter at Brie Outside. Um, and the links and email addresses, they're all at BrieOutside.com. So thanks for supporting the show and I hope you tune in to season three. 